You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi there, everybody. This is Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast a podcast all about shedding our limiting labels and beliefs so that we can each live our dreams and be more of who we were created to be in this world. Um, And this week, we are joined by Mindy Drewer. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Mindy. She's um, a mixture of a lot of different experiences, as are we all. Um, So not only has she been a pastor's wife for 25 years, 11 of those doing youth ministry, So think about the breadth of experience here she has. She has a degree in theater. Youth ministry works there nice. She's been a director of a child care center for 10 years, and she is currently reading the Enneagram for Spiritual Formation by A.J. Sherrill. And that is always of interest to me to find out what are people reading and learning from. And her purpose is to guide those she serves into joy and freedom. So take a breath with that one. Just feeling like you're being guided into your own joy and freedom. That's Mindy. As an Enneagram coach, she does this specifically through using a typing tool that really helps release us from dissatisfaction, self-condemnation, and shame. And that's how our gateway into joy and freedom. So it's this same tool that actually opened the doors for her to break through her own limiting labels and beliefs. And she says that throughout her life, actually, let me ask you guys to pause who are listening and see if you can relate to this. This may tell you a little bit about something about yourself. Mindy says that throughout her life, she constantly felt the burden of trying to please everyone and to do everything right. Heavy burden. And that included her teachers at school, her supervisors at work, and even the preaching and learning at church. She says she's always experienced some level of anxiety about the consequences of getting it wrong. Phew, heavy load, Mindy, to bear. Um, But finally, she reached her own point of dissatisfaction, and that's where she made a change. She decided there had to be something more. So today we're going to dig into that with Mindy and also what she has learned since that time. We're going to find out more about what was the point she made the change, how understanding her Enneagram type, the why behind her thinking, believing, and acting has made a difference for her. And then something folks don't always consider with the Enneagram, and that is time stances. So I'm going to ask Mindy to speak more on that. And then she has a great tagline, which I'm not going to share with you yet. Um, But I'm going to ask her how she came to it, because it so much resonates with me. Um, But ultimately, Mindy truly hopes that we each can see from her journey um, and the Enneagram how we can each grow into our best self. So with all that, let me now welcome today's guest, Mindy Drewer. Welcome, Mindy. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. 
I've been looking forward to talking to you. Um, I always have the privilege of reading a little bit more about our guests before they come live. And I start getting really excited. Like, ooh, I can't wait to find out more. Um, and even with that little background, I could go in so many directions. So I, I'm mm -hmm. going to stay focused. You know, okay. you've got a long path behind you of learning and growing. Um, mm -hmm. So let's start with this. Um, would you share a little bit of your story? Like what led up to that point at which you said, I have to make a change? Um, one time I was in a Bible study and we were sharing, going around the circle and sharing. And what I kept hearing from women who were, you know, in their 60s, 70s, 80s, was how much shame they felt and how much burden they felt. Um, and I knew that I felt some of that as well, but I thought, man, these are women who have been Christians for years, who have, you know, dedicated their lives to Christ and been doing Bible studies. This wasn't a new Bible study for them. They've been doing them for 40, 50 years. Why are they feeling this? What is that? Why should we continue to feel that? Um, and that's really when I started saying there's something wrong here with the way that we are approaching um the way that we are expressing god's grace to people you know um putting so much burden on one another and um and the bible just talks so much about god's grace and his desire for us to be free of those burdens um but you know i think that sometimes as Christians, we want to put a burden on others so that we sort of make a reason for you to need Christ, right? But isn't, I mean, the freedom that we find in him can be so releasing. And, um, and I've really done a lot of research, not head research, but research with my own walk of life, you know? Yes, there's been head research involved, but also like actually experiencing it and um, allowing Christ to change me. So that I am a five. So I think everything comes in through mm -hmm. the brain, right? It's like, okay, wait mm -hmm. a minute. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really theoretical. So how yeah. did, because it is, it's like, I let this yeah. happen. So I'm imagining other listeners are mm -hmm. going, okay, I kind of get that you made a huge pivot. Right. But how did that happen? Like, what were some of your first yep. steps or even some of the challenges? Because I can imagine you, right. here you are in a group. People mm -hmm. have been doing this for years. You're basically thinking there's a different or possibly better way to mm -hmm. actually live this. Mm -hmm. I think I'll just upset the apple cart. How did that go yep. for you? So my husband is a pastor and he was going through a lot of similar ideas the same time I was. And so um, and he's got, you know, a more of a background of education and finding books and constant support from other pastors and stuff along that line. Um, at the time, our conference, that we're part of the Free Methodist Conference, and our conference was um, encouraging soul formation, connected to Soul Formation Academy. Um, there was a lot going on at that time with people that we knew. And so I got together with someone that I knew had gone through the Soul Formation Academy and she directed me to some books to start with. And I was 
so thrilled with those books. I kind of started my own little Bible study that ended up including the books. And some people weren't very interested in that, but I found a small group of women that were very excited in the same way that I was. And we got together for several months and, um, and spent time just in the books, in the word, um, listening to Christ, but also practicing it during the week, you know, taking what we were learning and, um, and then talking about it with one another and encouraging one another and having action steps for the next week. The next year we moved, um, my husband and I moved to a different town and I had the opportunity to attend the Soul, um, Soul Formation Academy myself. And that was wonderful because then I was getting the book learning and the head learning along with the heart learning because it was very interactive. We were partnered up so that we had triads that worked together and met regularly and um, just encouraged one another to grow spiritually. But it was a very specific way of growing spiritually, you know, with, with a direction. And, um, and that just was huge for me. That made it such a difference. And um, I set, found such a relief of burden during that time and learned so much more about living in freedom. But it was a journey. It wasn't like overnight, suddenly I was freed of everything. You know, it, you have 40 plus years of um, teaching you one way of living. It's going to take a little unlearning. So, um, so I just learned how to trust God and, and uh, follow him in, in that journey that he had for me. So was that at the point where you were introduced to the Enneagram or did that come after? So we were introduced to the Enneagram at the Soul Formation Academy. I did not spend much time on it. It was very overwhelming to me because there was so much. Um, I was very interested, but we were doing a lot of other things at that time. So they glossed over it pretty quickly and moved along. Um, during that time, I was also working at a insurance company and I was in charge of overseeing the staff and the trainings. And so we did trainings on personality tests. And um, so a couple of years later, after I heard of the Enneagram, I decided to teach it. <laughs> of course, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just did this huge deep dive into the Enneagram to learn all about it so I could teach others. And it was way more than I thought it was going to be. And after having gone through the Soul Formation Academy, it lined up so beautifully with everything. And to be able to understand myself in a deeper way, um, a more complete way, have very specific things to address, utilizing what I had learned in the Soul Formation, um, it was it was very helpful, but it was also a great help to um, the people at work. So, so how um, did they experience this? Because now you've got it mm -hmm. both in your um, Soul Academy or in your faith group, right? And right. Yep. So, and is was yeah. the work secular or faith based group? Um, it was secular work. Most of our staff was Christian, so there was a little bit of cross over there but mostly I stuck with a non-faith-based way of teaching it and um, it was extremely helpful 
when we did the Myers-Briggs, we had about 15 staff members and we were about half and half with the same type of people. But when we did the Enneagram, we had basically one of every type, at least, you know, at least one of every type. We, it was all so different and it just really brought out how, you know, we have so much in common and yet we think so differently. And that's where, you know, time stances came into a lot of that as well. Um, how I interacted with my boss really changed a lot because of what I learned there. Um, it was really, really helpful for, um, for all of us. And I was able to spend a lot of time one-on-one -on -one with people and help them kind of work through the specifics of what they were learning through. Let me ask you, you, I believe I'm correct. You're a social one with a mm -hmm. nine wing, correct? Correct. So yes. what was your boss's type? Do you remember? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a type three. And um, what I've learned is I really struggle with type threes. Um, just in the, I think being, being a reformer, I can be pretty strong in my uh, my ideas and my responses. And like you said, your first response to things is no. Honestly, that's kind of my first response too. And for him being a three, he's that future thinker. He wants to move forward. He gets visions and ideas that he wants to accomplish, get things done. And um, I was sort of his second. And, I, you know, he'd come to me all excited about things. And the first thing I did was put on the brakes. And, uh, and that was really hard for him for a while. And uh, so it really helped our communication to start being able to understand this is why this is happening. This is why I do that. This is why you do that. And I was always afraid when he walked into the office, you know, uh oh, what's he got up his sleeve now? Um, so it really helped us learn to understand how to respond to one another better. Did you make accommodations for him and him for you? Once to you knew more extent, about each yeah. other? Yeah, well, you learn the language, right? You learn how to speak to one another so that it's not so overwhelming. You know, we, um, the way that we speak to one another, we need to help understand how they're hearing us. Yeah. So. That's an interesting um for me, that has been a huge takeaway, right? Because you mm. think until you get a different perspective and the Enneagram is very nuanced in its many perspectives. Yes. Um, it just seems like doesn't everybody think that way? You know, exactly. I have yep. learned not to say no out loud. Right. <laughs> I have, I, because I'm thinking yeah. I recognize yeah. it as a fear response. I just want right. I want to make sure you're right. not taking anything away from me, mm -hmm. especially my time. And right. so now I just pause. And yes. then I go, could I say yes to this? Mm, and is this mm -hmm. actually going to happen or is this just someone chatting? Right. And right. then I just go, right. wow, that sounds super interesting. And I pause. I don't say yes, yes. or no. But honestly, yes. I have caused yes. some friction by saying I don't I don't like right. that. Or I think I don't know. Right. Or even right. doing a facial expression yes. that communicates the same thing like no. So. Especially with future thinkers. Yeah. I'm married to one and it, and I did not understand how that affected him because I would not necessarily say no to things, but when he would have great ideas, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be thrilled about it. And wouldn't he wouldn't champion his great idea. 
<laughs> right. And, you know, because I need time. I need time to process it. Um, and uh, he took that as a negative, you know, and my boss would do the same thing. If I didn't immediately jump on board, he took it as a negative. And it wasn't necessarily. I'm, I'm actually really happy to go along with people most of the time. I just, you just need to give me a little time to get it processed first. Exactly. Well, I think that's a great lead into time stances, what they mm -hmm. mean, how, you know, what's it look right. like with the type? So what the heck is a time stamps? Because oftentimes right. I might know my number. I might even right. know some of my motivations and stuff, but time mm -hmm. stances affect us. Yes. So there are stances and there's the aggressive stance. The aggressive stance is also the future stance. Um, and that one, they always think ahead. So that those numbers would be the three, seven, and eight. They are, and if you think about three, sevens, and eights, they are raring to go. And they're thinking 10 steps ahead. They are so far of everybody else. They are the vision builders, the ones with great ideas. They, um, sevens especially, are built around possibilities. They love to dream, and they want everyone right there with them. The problem is they're very fast thinkers, and like especially I know sevens can come up with ideas like crazy, and most of the rest of us can't keep up with that. So we tend to be kind of left behind and they get frustrated with this. Um, the ones, twos, and sixes are all present stance. Um, they're the cooperative stance. And um, I'm a one, so I, I'm in that stance. The interesting thing about that one is that they are still moving forward. They are doers. They are forward people. Um, we always want to be moving into the future. But we don't process it the same way that a future person does. We don't come up with a picture first. We create our picture. So what I like to say is that a future stance is like a person doing a puzzle with the picture in front of them. They choose the pieces to create the picture that they see in front of them. At present, they are doing a puzzle without the picture. So they're creating the picture as they go along and their future is kind of a surprise to them. <laughs> they don't know what it is they're creating. So but, they stand back and look at it. Right, right, exactly. And if you think about it, it really, they have an easier time handling the future because they didn't have enough, they didn't have an expectation of it to begin with, right? It's not that we can't make goals or have dreams. But we're less likely to be focused on that. We're most, more focused on what's happening right now. We're list makers, and we want to um, worry about getting things done. A future thinker doesn't want to get things done. They just want it to be done. <laughs> they want to be in that picture. So sometimes future thinkers can have a hard time with the details because they don't want to make it happen. They just want it to happen. And if they, if they surround themselves with the right people, they can make that work for them. Um, but also future thinkers can be very disappointed because they have a very specific picture in their head. 
So when they get there, if it doesn't look just like they thought it should look, it can be disappointing. And also, a lot of them will move ahead. They're on to the next thing. So they might get there. Maybe it does look exactly like they wanted it to, but they can't celebrate it because they're already on to their next picture. Everybody else who's working to make that happen is really excited that they just created this thing and the future thinker is like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Okay, now what about this? Um, and so working with a future thinker can be really challenging because they don't really appreciate the work that you do. You know, they don't get it that you have to work so hard for something because doesn't it just happen? And once you get to it, they're not willing to celebrate with you because they've got something else that they're going to do. But a lot of bosses and a lot of CP, uh, COOs, they're future thinkers. They're providing the vision. So people usually have to work with the future thinker. Um, and then you have your past thinkers. So you've got, uh, you've got the withdrawn stance, which is the, um, the fours, fives, and nines. And they are, you know this, you, you think in a very different way than either of those. And what happens is you utilize what you know of the past for the present. You easily stop and stay where you're at. You're, you know, you were saying, oh, I'm good right where I'm at. I don't need to go anywhere. Um, it's not that you can't, and it's not that you can't be excited for the future, because you absolutely can be. Um, you just don't have the desperate need to be there, like a future thinker. Or That's you funny. don't desperately need to work on getting there, like a present thinker. You're okay with here, and you'll be okay with there. And you'll just be wherever you are. <laughs> I just had, it's, it's so true. I mean, yeah. this is what I love about the Enneagram, right? Because I'm thinking, that's me. I had a friend ask right. I was supposed to go on a trip. Um, and a relative, my sister says, oh, are you so excited? And I paused and I thought, well, first of all, it's three weeks away. Lots right. can happen between now and then. <laughs> I'll be just as yep. excited if we go or don't yep. go. And I mean, yep. she looked at me like, that's weird. And I'm thinking... You know what? Things change. I just don't want it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I want to be here right now for a minute, you know, and yes. do this. And I have yeah. things to do. And but as yeah. you're describing that, both of my uh, teammates yeah. who are virtual, they own their own businesses. I've got a two mm -hmm. and I got a six. Yes. And yes. I'm thinking now this is all making sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have worked with the others where mm -hmm. it's like, excuse mm -hmm. me, we just did this. And how come we're not even recognizing yeah, done, you know, and yes. can you see what's happening around us here? So, right. but that's yep. why I think the time stances are such an important overlay mm -hmm. because it's, it's like, whoa, that person yeah. has, hasn't even caught up yet. Yeah. Well, that has probably been the biggest impact on our marriage with, um, with the Enneagram. I mean, it's been good to learn the other things, but the greatest impact has been the time stances. And we talk about them all the time because it affects us all the time. So can you give a couple of examples so people who are listening might go, oh, I see how that's playing out in my relationships, whether it's marriage or um, work, sure. right? Some, sure. some places where it works great or we might come into tectonic shifts. Right, yeah. 
Um, well, my husband is a seven and he's a, a future thinker and he gets bored easily and he comes up with things to fill his time. So his head space. So he might uh, come up with some big vision of the next thing. Um, he'll look at a house, you know, online. He'll be looking at houses and he'll show me a house. Here you go. Here's our next house. And when he first started doing that years and years ago, you know, when we were first married, it really freaked me out because I thought, oh, he's the vision caster. And now I have to work or we're working together to get to that. That's our goal. We have to do that. And the next thing I knew, he's looking at something else. I'm like, well, what about this thing that you just showed me? What about that house? He goes, what house? I don't even know what you're talking about. So he's, you know, he's dreaming, he's having, he's thinking, he's coming up with visions, but his, his ideas are just ideas to him. They're not a goal for us to work towards. So we've had to learn in our marriage to speak very clearly to one another. So if he brings up an idea, I will ask him, is this something that you're seriously considering that I should be working with you on? Or should I just let you talk about it for a while? And if, you know, tell me either way. He isn't always dreaming about the future in a way that he doesn't want me to be involved in. You know, a lot of the things he comes up with are things that he says, hey, yeah, let's let's try this. And yeah, so for me, I've had to work on, you know, how do I work with him because I'm, I'm such a go-getter that I just want to pick it up and run with it. But how do I let him do his thing his way? And uh, I've learned to just kind of back off and say, you know what, when you want me to be involved in this, invite me in. Otherwise, I'm just going to let you do your thing. And not with an attitude, you know? I Oh, just I'm with, really, with love and understanding. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm thrilled to let him do that. Now that I understand him and I go, oh, that's where that's coming from. I actually celebrate that in him and I'm thrilled, you know, like, great, you know, go do that. Dream about that. If it becomes a thing, invite me into that. If it doesn't, whatever, have fun. (laughs) Because I'm going to be busy making things happen. That's right. Oh, it's so true. I will never have a problem making things happen. It's constant for me. Yeah. So that's interesting. I want to circle back to something um, that I said in the introduction, and Mm -hmm. that is that pressure of having to do everything perfectly because of the potential consequences. How has Mm -hmm. that changed over the years for you? Yeah, that, I mean, it really helped me to learn that that's part of being a one is to feel that burden of being right. And it's not, it's not the being right, like I have to be right. It's the right, like, I know that you understand that this is the right way to do it. So I have to do that. So you're happy, <laughs> right? It's really coming from, I'm making everyone happy. Um, in school, that was my whole goal was just to make the teacher happy. And I took a course, um, I was actually getting my early childhood degree and I was doing that online and it was all self-motivated stuff. They didn't have, but they still had instructors on the other end that were grading your papers, 
but they weren't teaching you. You were doing all the learning on your own and then turning stuff into them. And I found that extremely difficult because I didn't have an opportunity to get to know them. So I didn't know what pleased them. So I didn't know how to write my paper to make them happy. Um, and that kind of exemplifies my life, right? If I'm working for someone, I'm working to make you happy. If I'm a wife, I'm working to make my husband happy. Like I'll do it right. I'll do it your way, the right way, or I'll teach you my right way because I'm a reformer. So I understand this is the right way. This is the right way to fold clothes. So this is how we're going to fold clothes, right? <laughs> I'm less laughing because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a one, but I definitely have learned. And, you know, I've, I've pulled oh, yeah. from some of that. But I do yeah. like, no, yeah. just do it this way. It's much easier. It's better. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, I think when I learned that I had, I was already on the path of learning how to let go and learning freedom. But when I learned about the Enneagram and that that was a natural part of who I was, that was huge because I came to understand this is how God made me. And if he made me to be like this, but he does, but he still wants me to live in freedom, what does that look like, right? Because there still needs to be a moral balance in life. There still needs to be a way of having harmony with one another. But how do I let go and experience freedom within that, right? So... You know, he, I, I think it's just been a journey for me along the way, but maturity is part of that as well. You know, learning that one, you can't please everybody and two, you don't have to please everybody, but, um, but also learning how to interact with people. Um, for instance, learning how to interact appropriately with my boss. Yes, I do want to make him happy. And yes, I am feeling overwhelmed that you know, I'm the, you know, maybe I'm not making him happy. Maybe what I'm doing, well, why don't you have a conversation with the guy and find out, you know? So you learn, you learn mechanisms to help you that are healthy things. You go, oh, okay, I don't have to try to be right. I have to communicate. Let's just open up the lines of communication. <laughs> I know, but it's a pressure and I'm not a type one, but I do know that when you're trying to fulfill a role, whatever the mm -hmm. role is, once we have to start asking for clarification of that, not mm -hmm. all types, but for some of us, it's almost like a sign of um, I'm not quite there. I'm not I'm not do I'm not good enough. I mean, it can really start the inside nasty talk that we do, which is not mm -hmm. anywhere near freedom. Right. You know? right. And we're really exactly. not the best judges of ourselves. Oh, no, not at all. And and no. neither, by the way, are the people we live with. They're, they can give us no. feedback. But honestly, <laughs> we're all we're all growing no. in, our, in our own ways, right? Right. Well, and I think, too, that it's hard when everyone around you is encouraging. That sounds kind of weird, but I've had a lot of encouragement in my life. I've had a lot of people telling me how how good I am at something or how much they appreciate me and how great I am at whatever, or just believing in me. Oh, you're going to go off and do that. Excellent. Well, you'll be great at that. 
um, oh yeah, that sounds like a, a fun thing to do. So then what happens when you don't fulfill that? You know, that's, that's just a whole nother level of burden. Because when you have people around you that believe in you, and then you don't follow through for some reason. Um, let's say everybody tells you how amazing you are at your job, and then you get fired. Um, or they, they're so excited for you to go off into, you know, a ministry at a church and everything falls apart and you end up leaving. What do you do with that, right? I mean, it almost would be easier if everyone could say, well, see, I told you that wouldn't work out. <laughs> but oh, now my goodness. It's- we are definitely not the same time. If someone said, I told you that wouldn't work out, boy, it wouldn't be. Proof. Well, I wouldn't keep wouldn't my mouth shut. Great. But internally, but, I mean, there's, you're right. No, I mean, we wouldn't like that. But at the same time, does it feel like extra they, pressure? It's pressure. Yeah. Right. Right. It's pressure to succeed for others sake instead of your own yeah because they believed in you and how come you didn't live up to it right right exactly yeah but i i loved when you were talking a little bit before when you were talking about just growing and knowing yourself Mm -hmm. and stuff you can just Mm -hmm. feel the sincerity um and the connection you have to your heart Mm -hmm. to your own growth Mm -hmm. and to and basically to god and your own love Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to shift a little because in the introduction, we talked about now that you you work with folks, will you spend a few minutes talking about your business? I'd like to know Mm -hmm. more about that, how you help people and who you typically work with, Mindy. Sure. Um, So our business is a little broad and there's individual coaching. And my husband is no longer a pastor, so he's starting to do some life coaching and I'm doing Enneagram coaching. So we both do that. Um, our focus is a little bit different. So mine is specifically Enneagram and full formation connections. Um, and so we walk through this six week step that um, I, I went through the, the your Enneagram coach training. So we're going to do the six weeks of that um, Enneagram coaching. And then um, And then that helps people just learn the Enneagram in general and about themselves within that and what that looks like and start to um, start to get to know themselves. Then after those six weeks, um, you pretty much decide where do you want to go from there? Do you want to continue? Do you want to go down some life coaching? Do you want to add in some soul formation um, to that and, and just get to know yourself? within your relationship with God. Um, So that's the individual. We also provide group Enneagram training so we can do events. And uh, we're also open to speaking at, you know, short times at other people's events, doing retreats. Um, My husband, of course, as a pastor, is a public speaker, and he's happy to speak at churches and various other things. um, so yeah, our desire is just to really bring that freedom to people that bring back joy and freedom to people in a way that, um, we don't feel like we could do when we were in the workplace and in the church, there was just so many other kind of restrictions about how to do things or just a lot of other things to do, you know, cause that's not what you're there for when you're at work. Right. Um, 
So that's really what we want to do is have full focus on um, helping people get to know themselves for themselves, for relationships, for their relationship with God, um, anything that we can do to um, promote soul health. <laughs> soul health. Okay, now the my yeah. last, second to last question um, yeah. is, will you share your tagline and how you came up with it? Yes. Um, our tagline is Embrace the Adventure. And that is something that just came to me in the last, few months as we we have been through a lot over the years and we really feel like our lives are one big adventure <laughs> and uh and as a one gosh sometimes it's been just crazy and God has really taken me out of a comfort zone and uh you know when you think life's supposed to be a certain way living the American dream and you know, we thought, I thought, of course, as I'm growing up, I have to have um, a couple of kids and be the quintessential soccer mom and um, have a house and, and two cars and, you know, all these things. I have a job for a certain amount of time and um, build up a retirement. And then, you know, you have sort of this idea of what life is supposed to look like. And God's just thrown us curveballs at every step. <laughs> we have, um, nothing has worked out like I thought it would when I was a kid growing up. And yet that doesn't mean we haven't been successful. You know, that means success looks different. And so embracing the adventure is just saying, just live life, right? Life's going to be what it's going to be. So just embrace it. The the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, just embrace it and live it. And that's where you find your joy and freedom. Um, because when we're fighting it all the time and we're trying to make things happen that just aren't happening, there's just no joy and freedom in that. So learning how to, to do that. And that's through getting to know yourself, getting to know um, yourself in God and uh, yourself with others. It brings all of that. Mindy, I love the tagline. I love the I love the <laughs> genesis of it. Um, and you're right. When we just fight what's coming down all the time, oh my God, the days are long and they're stressful and they're heavy. And when we just go, interest, yeah. <laughs> let's go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So let me ask you this. This is the last question. So mm -hmm. folks have been listening to you today. Where is the best place for them to reach out, learn more about what you're doing, how you help people? Um, what's the best mm -hmm. place for them to find you? Probably the best place is our website. That just gives everything that we do. Um, we do have a Facebook page, Chasing the Sky PMD, um, and that's a good place to start if you would like. Um, but it doesn't have a lot of information about our business. So really going to our website is the best place to do that. And I believe you're going to post a link to that, correct? We so, will, because we want people to great. not take notes while they're driving <laughs> if they're listening to this. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll put your Facebook page and your website as well. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you if there was one thing you could tell mm -hmm. Wendy of eight years old, if you were sitting mm -hmm. down with her, 
what would you say to her? Mm. Um, life's going to be okay. Just enjoy it. <laughs> I was a very anxious little girl. So um, just, just em- I would tell her, embrace the adventure. You know, it's all going to happen anyway. <laughs> just embrace it. <laughs> oh, that's so freeing too. Right. Well, Mindy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I just really enjoyed mm-hmm. your what you shared with us, but thank also you. just kind of your own journey and how you kept growing and and making sense out of the moment um, mm-hmm. and just how you learned to communicate better in both your mm-hmm. home and at work. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.